welcome to the Badass Adventure Radio Podcast, where we celebrate stories of adversity and triumph in the outdoors, on the seas, and in the field. Go for it. All right. Kick it off. Go, Matt. No balls. I guess I'm first. So, uh, Jerry Map Dominguez. What's the criteria again? (laughs) Who you are, what you've done. Oh, what I've done. uh, Not much, really. Finished school. I got a PhD. Finally. Yeah. Plain high school diploma. I joined the Marine Corps. I was in law enforcement. That's funny. I've been to a lot of places. I live here in San Diego now. It's all right. All right, all right. It's pretty happening. It's a hell of a lot more about turd. I used to roller skate when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, really? Okay, all right. You remember that? Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. It's steel wheels, bro. Or aluminum, whatever they were. Remember that? Aluminum, the casters? Steel. The casters, yeah. yeah. Back when Jesus was on skates? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. We were on skates. <laughs> <laughs> he was levitating. Uh, so anyway, I'm uh, Map's brother, Dingo, and uh, my name is James Dominguez, and um, yeah, I, uh, I've lived a uh, pretty charmed life, I'm pretty uh, pretty blessed to say. Um, out of high school, I joined the Marines, I was in Marine Corps for about 12 years, and then uh, I got a day job. Uh, during that day job, I stayed in the reserves, so I... Uh, joined the Army National Guard for two years. Then after that, I was in the Navy Reserve for 13 years, so 27 years total in the military. <clears throat> yeah. uh, the day job I got was I was a uh, special agent for the Department of Homeland Security for, uh, uh, at the time, it was Immigration and Customs. Well, at the time, I actually <clears throat> I got hired on by um, INS, Immigration Naturalization Service, and then after 9-11, it became the Department of Homeland Security. And then under the Department of Homeland Security, we became ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, and then under that umbrella, we were actually the Office of Investigations. Uh, and then in 2009, they rebranded our office to what everybody now, well, nobody even knows really what HSI is, which is Homeland Security Investigations. So. Uh, the majority of people see ICE on TV and <clears throat> what they're looking at are the Border Patrol agents and yep. the uh, <clears throat> Immigration Enforcement Agents and Deportation Officers. Uh, they fall under uh, ICE, uh, the Enforcement Removal Operations Branch. And so I fell under HSI, which is the other arm of it, and we did, we did investigations. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah. for, correct me if I'm not right. Correct on this, but like, isn't yeah, isn't wrong. HSI one of the largest investigative agencies in the country? HSI is <clears throat> HSI is the largest investigative agency in the United States. Period. Why is that? They have over five. I believe they have well over five thousand agents. Damn. But <clears throat> but but the because a lot of people don't understand what they actually do. Okay. And that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest no, misnomer that people don't understand what they do 
Um, yeah, it's not just about immigration. It has nothing, well, let me rephrase that. It has everything to do with immigration and nothing to do with immigration. And what I mean by that is you can go in there and you could do child pornography <clears throat> investigations. You can do um, transnational gangs. You can do financial crimes. You can do money laundering. You could do weapons uh, uh, smuggling. You could do <clears throat> artifact uh, artifacts that are being stolen from other countries and brought to the United States. You could be doing uh, human trafficking, human smuggling. So, from the the gamut of law enforcement, or excuse me, the gamut of criminal uh, engagement, there is uh, an office that will take care of that. It's interesting that, like, I always found that interesting. How it fall, that ICE has has that responsibility and that large that a large amount of responsibility. Why is that not with the FBI? Well, the FBI they actually um, they do like terrorism. Okay. Uh, that's their forte. Um, civil rights violations, things like that. Are to boil it down for HSI. <clears throat> If it has a nexus to the border, we have jurisdiction, or they have jurisdictions to it. Um, what's crazy is people don't seem to realize if you mail a letter to France, you've just crossed the border. If you receive an email from Germany, you've just crossed the border. So a lot of people don't realize that as long as there is a border nexus, for layman's term, if it crossed the border in any way, shape, or form, we have jurisdiction over it. Interesting. So, like, I guess that's where a lot of uh, jurisdictional overlap starts to come into play with multiple agencies. At Correct. The same exactly. Time. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, we it, HSI has agents all over the world at all the embassies. Uh, they have agents working with uh, foreign entities, foreign law enforcement. Uh, they have HSI agents you know, uh, scouring ships at ports. Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's, 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 it's the breadth of it is, is insane. And a lot of people have zero knowledge about it whatsoever. They yeah. just see immigration and that's a problem. That's it. But they don't realize that there's so much behind it, you know? So yeah. But, um, so yeah, uh, I, I worked for HSI for 15 years and uh, military for 27. And then after that, I worked for um, uh, an endurance, or rather an obstacle course racing company. Uh, you familiar with Spartan Race? Yes, I am. I, I worked yeah. for them for five years as a logistics manager. And then now I am happily uh, semi-retired. <laughs> so I just do you to... do you guys still need me here? Because yeah, I don't absolutely. I don't seem so cool now. You don't seem so cool. Well, you didn't ex extrapolate your misadventures I, I did, in life. I didn't well. uh, convey my well, uh, my blessed show? and uh, yeah. charmed life as well. Yeah, go for it. Uh, oh, I get to yeah. I get yeah, to you, jump in now. Yeah, okay. Like, caveat. You're both it? brothers. All right, let's take yeah. measuring contest. Yeah, Lay it on the table. Let's go. <laughs> so there it is. There it is. There it was. There Freaking it was. Knee deep in grenade uh, um, pins. So yeah, I would I, I would have to piggyback on what he said. You know, we we. We have definitely lived, lived a, charmed, a life. charmed life. It's been interesting to say the least, you know, uh, in simple terms. <clears throat> uh, right out of high school, joining the Marine Corps. I did 12 years in the Marine Corps. I did some reserve time as well. 
and did you know five different MOSs. Whereas some people are like you know how 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 do you do that, and how come I didn't get that opportunity? And it just depends on what you were doing at the time. Um, I was a reserve deputy sheriff back home for a while, uh, and I guess to put it lightly, I I kind of saw the writing on the wall what was coming, uh, what we're dealing with today. And so I, that wasn't my focus after a while. So I became a law enforcement instructor. I was a federal law enforcement instructor for the Marine Corps. Um, I was a GS employee for a while. I was working for the Marine Corps after serving the Marine Corps. That always sounds interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I worked as an intelligence analyst. So a lot of people don't know that. It's uh, interesting to say the least. So. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get questions like, well, what, what do you do as an analyst? You know, what, what, what it is, you know, and what's so funny is <clears throat> it's exactly that, that meme. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme that goes around about intelligence analysts, uh, depicting on what people think you do to <laughs> what you actually do. I mean, the one, the one square shows James Bond and yeah, the last square yeah. shows you're doing PowerPoints. Yeah, doing PowerPoints. <laughs> uh, all, for all intended purposes, if you've watched Jack Ryan, sorry to plug him. Uh, that's not what an intelligence analyst does. No, these are storylines that somebody's thrown this individual into extreme circumstances, which they would never go in the first place. So, as an intelligence so, analyst, it's okay though. He was a Marine Corps officer. I was oh, we'll, we'll we'll give we'll give him that slide in yeah. that in that context. But in the book, he was actually Navy. No, he's 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 Marine. He's Marine. He's Marine. Yeah, in the book, he's Marine. He went to no, he's he's a Marine. He became a Navy commander after his accident. That's uh, no. no, I think you're thinking of Hunt for October. Yeah. No. No, he. Uh, it was a disguise. It was a disguise, just to yeah, throw everybody off. Anyhow. Anyways, I'm the whole point being here is, as an intelligence analyst, what I tell people is, you collect puzzle pieces and you try and make them fit together, and and for all intended purposes, make them fit together is probably the right analogy. It's see how they fit. Uh, yeah. I and what I learned as an intelligence analyst is. A lot of people tend to put their view. So if I get an information and they say, hey, we want to know about such and such, uh -huh. so I'll build a brief, a dossier, you know, target package, whatever they need. Uh -huh. But I won't build it as me. I'll build it with the information specific to the task. And sometimes you do get that question. So what do you think? And I said, well, with the information given, I can give you this information. Right. Uh, I think too many times, especially when you watch some of these movies, you know, oh, I feel, it's like, well, I don't need you to feel anything. I need you to give me the proper information because we need to make the proper steps. That's been a... Yeah, it's a... Kind of to feed off of that, um, just because of everything going on and, like, what I'm involved in, too, is, yeah, like, there's a problem with policy guiding intelligence. What is intelligence supposed to be? It's supposed to be finding shit out. It's supposed to be finding stuff out as the truth, the, the objective, raw truth, presenting that to an individual who has to make a decision based off of that, and that that's what it should be. And like, it should not be curtailed or designed or created in such a way to promote a specific outcome. It should just be, here's the truth as it is, you need to have to make a decision. I can't tell you the decision because that's your responsibility. That is correct. <clears throat> and when they, they put that, oh, what do you think? And be like, sir, this, I think yeah. what's here is here. This is ultimately your decision to, to make the choice. Because there, again, there, you know, the caveat is, um, 
when you're asked that question, and I, and I have been asked that question by commanders, you know, colonels and so forth, so well, what do you think, Mr. Dominguez? And say, you know what? I, I, I've given you the information that I have. It leads me to believe this. And that's that, you know? Based, based, you know, based on the information I have, yep. it leads me to, to believe this, which will dictate you're making your left or right turn. Other than that, you know, I don't, you know, now if you want input on other matters in that aspect, going towards it, then yeah, we need to sit down and talk about how far you want that information to go and whatnot. So, and then also too, for the uh, intelligence community, you have a whole spectrum of human, you know, human intelligence, you have open source, you have yeah. secure source, you have, you know, intelligence gathering sig signets, uh, signals intelligence, which is your photographing or, you know, your ge geographical spaces. So Anyhow, it's, it's a big, big it's a big beast. picture thing, yeah. but yeah, it's a big beast, but there are certain people that do specific things. And so for me, for the Marine Corps, honestly, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, secret stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I did a lot of open source information. So basically yeah. it was reading the news, uh, gathering open source information and tabulating it, putting it together, processing it. Yeah. So that was a fun job, but I enjoyed being a federal law enforcement instructor for the Marine Corps. So in 2005, I believe, the Marine Corps decided to finally use civilian police officers because everybody else was using them. Um, so the Marine Corps said, hey, we need to help out the, the PMO community, Provost Marshal's office. Anyhow, so long story short, there was a pilot program in 2005 in Lejeune. They enjoyed the program and they decided to open up an academy in nearly every Marine Corps installation in the U.S. and tried to backfill as quickly as possible. Yeah, I remember that. So in time, they filled the spots and the quotas. You had a lot of civilian officers, which was great. Um, I was here at Miramar, uh, here in San Diego, and uh, we, it was between us and Camp Pendleton is staying open and continuing to train. Camp Pendleton, though, unfortunately, they had to compete with operating forces for the yeah. ranges. So they're, you know, oh, well, this week we're going to be at the range. Oh, sorry, we can't because operating forces are using the ranges. Okay, we'll bump it and move the calendar around. At Miramar, uh, it helps being a Marine for one. Uh, <laughs> I just went over to the range officer and I said, hey, you guys aren't using a particular range. If we go down there and clean it up, can we keep it? Done deal. <laughs> so after handshake, yeah. after handshake and many hours of lawn mowing and and weed whacking and building up the berm, we had our the own backdoor deal. Civilian yeah, police officer, uh, federal officer program, and now it's still there. Yeah. So and what was cool was now they were coming to us to see if they could use it for the overflow because you know the ranges would be full and they say, hey, can we go down? And oh yeah, sure, sure. We're not gonna be on there this week. No problem. Nice. As long as you clean it up. Nice. That's the way. But yeah, it was it was great. I, I absolutely loved it. So I mean, I was teaching. Uh, I think there was seventy three classes because it's a ten week course, uh, and there was seventy three classes and they're divvied up between. I, I was the lead instructor, so I had two instructor staff that I was leading, and there were you know opposite weeks, and I would step in and teach my classes, and I taught uh, like. Um, Deadly Force, I taught uh, Active Shooter, uh, Defensive Tactics. Uh, All cool that shit. Well, then I taught like uh, Constitutional Law, and oh, then I taught uh, okay. like Domestic uh, Abuse, uh, Child Abuse, you know, how to do all that, do the investigation portion. I, uh, uh, traffic Control, which is seems dumb, but it's important. 
Um, just a lot of cool different courses and whatnot. I enjoy teaching. Uh, and then obviously the marksmanship portion because I had a, I was a marksmanship instructor in the Marine Corps. And that, that's how you got into the TAC games? Uh, no, it was, uh, how do we, I don't know. You know, I, actually, I found it by accident. Yeah. On It yeah. came, it popped up on my feed one time at the tactical games. Uh, okay. On my Facebook feed. Yeah. So that's we're, not, we're now changing gears to go and talk about the tactical games for a moment. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, it just came up on the feed and I'm like, wow, that's just crazy. And I was checking it out. Yeah. And so, so we can nip this one in the bud real quick. So they were going to have one at uh, Camp... S- Camp Roberts, Roberts. San Luis Obispo. And oh. California, it, excuse me. Yeah. Did I say that? California. The country of California. Oh, yeah. So this was a perfect, <laughs> legit setup. On base, yeah. open squad bay, first first come, first, first serve, which is great. And you'll be able to turn your weapons and ammo into the armory. Oh, sweet. Saving people a ton of money. COVID hit. Oh. And then they said, okay, and here it is, and it's gone. <laughs> Jeez. And that was it. That was the end of it. So they n- never came back to California, but I think the Utah was the following year, and we went to Utah for yeah. the first time to talk to the games. Yeah. So, but um, then you came out to the uh, Nationals, right? And then later that year, went to the Nationals. Yeah. And that's where we met them. Yeah. That's where we were <laughs> sucking it easy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we were. That's a lot of fun. No, yeah, it was. And then we did our little podcast that they were following Veterans Day or whatnot. I think so. Yeah, so, um, so you know, you've been through this before, but Dingo here hasn't. Been so, through what? Been through the podcast. Oh, no. no, no. So, the podcast so, ringer. Yeah, exactly. So, like, <laughs> I always like to ask guests, based off your experiences and everything you've done through your adventures and travels, what was a particular story of yours of adversity, true adversity, that made a change and impact in your life? Oh, yeah, wow. That's a good one. There's a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of things that that I've done that were. Let's see. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna give you this one, all right, and all right. I, I can I can I can honestly tell you there is less than a handful of people that even know this story, and even more so because you're a marine and you don't even know this goes on. And Let's how many years? How many years you been? How many years? I was, I was in for five. I was five years. Five. Yeah, and you have no idea that this goes on. This even happens. Okay. And I'm definitely not trying to throw anybody under the bus. No, no, no. Or anything like that. Okay. But um, so just right in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> Let the chips lay where they may lay. I Anyways. like stringing them up. Uh, uh, I like stringing them up. So, so the bus hits them over and over and over. So. Um, <laughs> I was at recruit training, and uh, I, I went unqualified. And for for those listening that don't understand, when a Marine Corps recruit goes unqualified, what happens is during the week you're going through all your firing stages, and you get to Wednesday night, and everybody gets really nervous because you do prequal on Thursday morning. And when everybody, you know, everybody here understands prequal, what prequal is, is if you have inclement weather on Friday and they have to call it, they take the scores from Thursday and you're good to go. So everybody was nervous. Well, I didn't have any problem. I was firing like 223 all week, crushing it. 220 is expert. And I was like, all right, not a problem. I got this. And 
we get through Thursday and everybody's good to go. All right, we got it. Friday morning shows up and uh, we go to the range and it's all good. And for the life of me, bro, I could not, I could not hit shit. And I'm like, <laughs> you are kidding me. Sidelime at sight picture, everything. Oh my God, I'm, I'm like, what? The drill instructors are kind of just looking, going, what the <laughs> hell is going on with recruit Dominguez? <laughs> and so, I fired a 188, dude. Oh, wow! Oh, I fired a 188, and back not in the day, that not even a pizza box, a 189 is ball. <laughs> yeah. And what I fired a 188, and they were like, what the hell? And so there was six of us in our platoon. There was a total of, I think, like 14 of us total out of the three platoons out of our series. The kids didn't didn't qualify. And man, oh man, dude. So you guys already know what happens to recruits uh -huh. once you qualify and you head out. You do one of two things. You do mess and you do mess or you do maintenance. So in other words, for those of you listening, if you go mess, you're working at the chow hall and you're doing dishes and waiting tables and all that stuff. If you're doing maintenance, you're outside cutting lawns and painting rocks uh -huh. <laughs> for one whole week. So the drill instructors get time off, and I'm building this up. I've been giving you a story here. The drill instructors get that whole week away from you scumbags. They're like, I want to touch a recruit. I want to talk to a recruit. I want to see nasty bodies. For a week, and they get that time off, except for the drill instructors that get us, there was two of them, uh, they get it signed to MTP, which is Marksmanship Training Platoon. Those are the recruits that go unqualified. Yeah. Now, the range is closed Saturday. The range is closed on Sunday. Uh -huh. So you spend the weekend with these two crazies, and they're pissed because you just ate up their weekend, and they have to wait till Monday to get you on the range to qual. <laughs> You're laughing, bro, but I mean, good God, brother. Um, so they get us, and I remember we got this. There were there were two two mix, two Irish guys, uh, Sarn O'Neill and Sarn Farrell. And Sarn Farrell, this dude's just, uh, he's like 6'2". This dude's a big kid. He's just like, you know, oh, my God, this dude's just sick. The other guy was sadistic, just O'Neill. That boy was just just sick. He just, yeah, that boy was just not wrapped tight. So anyway, they get us all and they, they mash us all together and they say, get your asses over here, this and that. And they uh, they mob us. And you guys know as recruits, you know, you're you're the coming to the end of second phase and you're marching everywhere. We're mobbing and they just kind of yeah. pull you together in one little group of people and they just have you go. And so we're mobbing up to, to, the, to the armory to do um, a weapons inspection. And they're yelling at us and they're, I mean, I had never been so scared in my life, bro. Because these guys were talking just, I don't know. They were, I don't know. They were just like, we're going to smash the hell out of you guys. You guys know what MTP stands for, Maximum Thrash Platoon, and this and that. We're like, oh, my God. So, yeah, 14 kids just scared to death. And we get up there, and, you know, this Lance Corporal, he's up there, and he's checking people's weapons and stuff. And I, 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 because I'm not an armor. This is, uh, you know, I, I, fired rifles when I was a kid and this and that and everything like that but I'd never seen anything like this before when that kid grabbed my rifle and he grabbed it by the hand guards and then he puts his hand on the muzzle yeah. and he separates the barrel from the lower receiver 
<laughs> and I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at that thing, and I'm like, what the hell? So I guess what had happened was my weapon shook loose or something. The weirdest thing. I don't know. And again, I'm not an armor or anything like that. I just know in my mind's eye, that's what I saw. What I do know for a fact is though, that the barrel came loose. Now, I don't know if the kid took it out or not, but in my mind, I'm freaking 17 years old and I see my weapon just fall apart from this kid's hands. This is what my, my mind's freaking seeing, you know? So I had a loose barrel, a basically a floating barrel. So any shot that I even tried to even dial in was not gonna even work. So no matter what my sights were, no matter what dope I had on my weapon, it was not gonna go. Shot in the dark. Yup, just. <laughs> so that, that round's going down the barrel. Yeah, so anyway, so we get all our weapons squared away and, 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 and we're good to go. And uh, they take us back to the squad bay and uh, they, uh, they have a store of weapons and then they tell us, we're gonna take it to chow. So they mob us. They, again, they get us all into the mob. And they mob us to chow. They make us unblouse our boots and put our top tops up, top, and buttons, top buttons up. We look like fools. Pull your, pull your covers down. And they made us pull our covers over our eyes, and we look like dumbasses. And then it's just, you know, walk mob, stop mob, and so, give yeah. me help, mob. Stop. Oh, that was horrible. So yeah, and you're just embarrassed. And so we get to we get to the chow hall, and we go in there and eat. And so we come back, and it hadn't even started yet. We were already scared shitless, but it hadn't even started yet. And so we get back to the squad bay, and uh, Sergeant Farrell and, and O'Neill are, are in the duty hut, and they come out. And Sergeant O'Neill's got some papers and a bunch of pencils. And he goes, he goes here, and he tosses it out to the first recruit, and he says, get a sheet of paper, get a pencil, and he goes, I want you to write what you think MTP should be. And he goes, you got 15 minutes or something like that. So they walk into the duty hut. I think they walked into the duty and I think that was their game plan time because it was like, okay, we're going to take 15 minutes before we just destroy these little kids. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding you. We're all like, oh, okay, this and that. MTP should be this or that or, you know, or learning about this and yeah. that or marching training this now. So Farrell gets gets the papers and he goes into the duty hut and then O'Neill goes, get online. He gets online. We all get online, hang up your weapons and blah, blah, this and that and everything like that. And he started... You know, bends and thrusts and this and that. And he starts working us. He starts working us big time. And then all of a sudden, you hear the duty hut door just swing open. Bam! And he walks out and he goes, get in the classroom. So all, everybody, we all just ran to the classroom. O'Neill's, get in the classroom, get in the fucking classroom. We get in the classroom and Farrell just goes like this. And he goes, what the fuck is this bullshit? He goes, MTP, let me see. MTP should be that you should learn how to do side alignment, sight picture, trigger control, breathing, breast, all that stuff. And he, he just grabs those papers and he just looks at us and he just flicks us that, just boom, and throws all of us. He goes, bullshit, you had two weeks. Get online. And it was on for the rest of the weekend. They had us, they had us doing... All, they had us moving the grinder left and right. They had us bench pressing racks. It was insane. Kids were kids were wearing out the. You know you know how they had that little bar at the bottom of the rack. Yeah yeah. Yeah, you're bringing it down and you choke them up. <laughs> it was horrible, dude. But that wasn't even all. That wasn't even all of it because he had he had us doing that at first, and then he breaks us up into three, and he goes, go with Sergeant Farrell, go with Drill Sergeant Sergeant Farrell or Sergeant uh, or Neil, and they go downstairs. You know how at the bottom of the 
the bottom of the stairs yeah. or the bottom of the squad base, you have the pits. Yeah. He's down there just smoking these kids in the pits in the sand. They're doing sand angels. They're crawling in the sand. He'd make them get on their backs and do sand angels and then crawl on their backs so that the sand would scoop into their yeah. into their tops. Just making them just dirty ass sugar cookies, dude. Just kicking their asses. Then he's got another group in the classroom. Farrell's got another group in the classroom, and you're just bending thrusts. Bends and thrusts, push-ups, legs, whatever. He's just crushing you. Then you got another one, and I love this because he starts it and he goes, okay. He goes, he goes, go go to the whiskey locker and grab some deck towels. So I think there was four of us. Grab deck towels and we put them down. And he goes, he goes, uh, we're thinking to ourselves, they're not wet. And normally you wet deck towels, you clean uh -huh. the floor, right? Yeah. No, they're not wet, dude. And he goes, okay, and he goes, here's what's gonna happen. He goes, you're gonna go ahead and do me the Indy 500, and you're gonna keep going. <laughs> so if you don't know what the Indy 500 is, you're in a bear crawl position, your hands are stretched out end to end on the deck towel, and you're pushing that towel forward in a bear crawl position. And he says, here's the ticket. He goes, listen, fucking recruits. He goes, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, you just keep fucking moving until I tell you to switch out. And he goes, and he goes, and I don't want to see any of you motherfuckers slow down. And then he goes like this, God forbid, let me see you stop. <laughs> and then he goes, start your engine. And he goes, go, and you're you take off. So you got knuckleheads doing, you got knuckleheads doing the Indy 500. Yeah. You got knuckleheads up and down in the, in the, in the, in the squad bay uh, classroom, just getting their ass kicked. And you got another group down in the pit sugar <laughs> Saturday and Sunday that's all you did rotate it oh, so so the Indy 500 area was clean the the classroom was full of sand because people were just getting smashed and because as you go with the Indy 500 you're moving the sand out to the side so you see the sand circle inside there just kicking the shit out of us Saturday night and so here's the deal here's the funny part I Is work, there a funny part? Yeah. <laughs> I worked for Spartan Race for five years, and I used to lead endurance events. And there's one that was a six-hour endurance event, okay? Nice. Sure. It was a six, four, four-hour. Four-hour endurance event, okay? And um, Are you talking about kills? The, the, no, just oh, the hurricane. They're called hurricane heats, and it was, it was four hours. That's the basic one. Dude, we were going from 7 a.m., till 5 p.m. that day all day this is all we did all we did so this is this is Friday night getting our asses handed to us then he tells everybody set up the squad bay we set up the squad bay and then he goes get in the rack and we get in our racks with boots cami and that's a no-go dude <laughs> Yeah, that's a no-go. No yeah, series me. officer, series officer comes in, and you're like, what the hell is recruits doing? And that's how you slept in your sand and everything, and you this is all up in your butt. Oh, it was horrible, dude. And so that was the whole weekend. So, <laughs> how does this get horrible? Well, you know, I'm. It's Saturday afternoon, dude. It's like well after lunch. We went and ate lunch, and they have you shake yourself <laughs> off so you can go to the job and eat, yeah. and then he'd make you eat real quick, and you're just like, and you're out five minutes. <laughs> So that they could, so that they wouldn't tell, because you know the chow is kind of empty. Yeah. It's up at it's in range. Yeah. So it's kind of empty and nobody's around. You know, yeah. it's weekend, so nobody's around. But they didn't want anybody to see that you were just getting wrecked, <laughs> that was dusted with sugar cookie crumbs or whatever. <laughs> anyway, so they get you out and they get there. So I remember Saturday afternoon, dude, and I remember I was in the classroom, and I'm just bending and thrusting, bending and thrusting, and I'm 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 getting worked, and and I'm, I'm tired. I'm smoked. I'm tired. And I, all I kept thinking was, you know, uh, 
this was a bad idea. All I need, all, right, exactly. <laughs> this was I a thought, bad idea. I thought this this can't be the Marine Corps. There's there's absolutely no way this is the Marine Corps. This isn't it. This can't be it. And um, I was thinking to myself, there's just no way. And I was like, I'm not gonna make it. There's no way I'm gonna make this. And I was sitting there going, shit. And uh, I literally several times came close to just sitting down going sir this this group refuses to train and just drop out literally about to drop out recruit training several times and so o'neill says you know send me the next group or yells out something like that and so you can hear those kids coming up the stairs we're coming down the other ladder well we're fucking we get down there and he's all bending thrust and so i'm bending and thrusting and as i came down i put my hands in the sand and I felt something hit over my right hand. And I was like, shit. And I came up and out of the corner of my eye, I tried to see it, but you can't really see it. Cause if you stop, you're gonna get smoked even worse. Yeah. So as I went back down, I shoved it in my pocket. And I, I, I didn't know what it was. And I just kept going. So what was what saved my ass, dude, was the rest of the day, all I kept thinking about, what's in my pocket, what's in my pocket, what's in my pocket. Huh. So I was no longer tired of it. My mind's going around, like, what's in my pocket? What, what, what did I pick up? What could it be? And I'm feeling on the tell outside. Me, cause I, what is it? What I didn't is want it? to put my hand in the pocket because what happens if you put your yeah. hands in your pocket? Yeah, you're going to get wrecked. You're, you're going to wreck some more. Yeah. So I'm just going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going, shit. So now it's Saturday night. And uh, it's Saturday night, and they put us in the rack. And I'm, I'm smoked, dude. I'm smoked. And so I'm laying there, and I'm thinking to myself, man, oh, shit, I got something in my pocket. So I reached into my pocket, and it was a rosary. No shit. A rosary that I pulled out of the sand. And I was like, huh. And I was, I, it just, it just, it dawned on me. I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I put the rosary bag in my pocket. I went to sleep the next morning. Sunday, same thing, dude. It was horrible. And the only reason I mentioned this is because you two will never know what that whole weekend is like for those recruits. Whether it's that harsh anymore, I couldn't tell you. Whether it's gotten harsher, I couldn't tell you either. But either way, uh, uh, and no disrespect to Sergeant Farrell or Sergeant O'Neill. I don't blame them. They were pissed off because we ate up their weekend. But um, yeah, because you know we're we're we're, we're rifling. Doesn't matter what MOS you have. You know, you're you're you're. The first thing you look at when you see other Marines in the uniform is their shooting badges. Yeah, shooting badges. The automatic you have a pizza box. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, like, okay, dude, yeah. So that's huge. That's huge. That's part of our identity as Marines is, is we're riflemen. So yeah. So anyway, so I got through it and all, but that's what I, that's what I, that I would have to say that was like the most lowest I'd ever been in my whole life up until that point. Just going, are you fucking kidding me? And this then, cannot be it. <laughs> By the grace of fucking God, man. Literally, literally dude. Yeah. Literally, that guy goes, hey, dude, hold on. Okay, I got it. Am I holding the phone or whatever? That's what you... Yeah. 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 Gets you yeah. to the day, then oh, you yeah. whip that out at night, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Totally, totally I got your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So, yeah. So, talk about paying it forward. So, this... Uh, <laughs> so, I was on... This is a side note. So, I was on recruiting you years later, helping yeah. out recruiters, and there was this guy named James Sanchez that I met over the phone. And he was considering the Marine Corps because he just left the seminary. And wow. everybody was like, everybody was like, damn, Dominguez, you're you're pulling you're pulling recruits out of the seminary. <laughs> They're like, hey man, we're trying to keep that guy happy, dude. <laughs> Why are you pulling his dudes? 
And so, yeah, so James just decided one day he didn't want to really want to be a priest, but he just, it just flipped. He became, he, he joined the Marine Corps. And it was kind of cool because um, I, I mentored him, you know, showed him first aid, showed him my, my, uh, my prac book, the practical application. You learn all the stuff you learn in crew training in your little, your yeah, little guidebook. Green monster. And then it would, it, it seemed, it seemed the perfect gift to give to him and say, you're going to make it. I gave him the rosary, dude. Yeah. I gave him the rosary, and he graduated honor man. He graduated honor. Oh, wow. He crushed it. He went in there and crushed it. He knew how to march. He knew. He knew his. He knew his uh, general orders. He knew first aid. I mean, he knew the five components of a grenade. This dude was legit. He was a recruit before he even got to become a recruit. Nice. Yeah. And then yeah. So I gave him that, and I said, "You're gonna make it." And he goes right on. And he came through. Yeah, honor man, dude. I was that's like, awesome. Yes. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, so it was worth it. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Man. I shoot better now, by the way. You, know, you guys, shoot, shoot better on. now. Well, it's just, kind of, it's, it's, wait, 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 it's hold nice, on. Nice hold on. A barrel according attached. to my brother, I shoot rifle better now. <laughs> <laughs> Pistol, I'll smoke that food. Yeah. Well, I mean, going going back to you, Matt. Like we were talking yesterday, uh, some of the experiences they've gone through, and, and you went through Desert Storm. Yeah, I'm a Desert Storm veteran. Yeah. Uh, but okay. I wanted I Here's wanted to note. I wanted to say something. Uh, but go ahead. Real go quick, ahead. which is funny, by the way, because uh, we we mentioned that we lived a charmed life, and, and you probably don't even realize this, but even as kids, whatever happened to this knucklehead happened to me, <laughs> or vice versa. Um, he get a bruise, I got a bruise. Either opposite side of whatever, but yeah. it, it's so strange. So do you want to hear a kick in the head? Go for it. I didn't go unqualified, but I got wrecked just the same because that that Thursday night because yeah. I shot marksman and ah oh, pizza box. Both my drill instructors were expert shooters, Ooh. and one of them was a distinguished shooter, oh. so they weren't gonna have it at all, you know. And so yeah, I got wrecked because I, I I barely made qualified, but I was shooting like dingo. I was shooting all I was shooting in the high. 220s, 230s. And so uh, I got wrecked the night before. Benford. LaRock Benford. Oof. Look him up. Oof. Yeah, look him up. He's still the same. Yeah, 6'4", 220 pounds. Jesus. All craziness. <laughs> Anyhow, so long story short, same thing. And so the following day, you know, I shot, a, I shot a 239. And I was not the platoon high. Wow. In my platoon alone, we had no pizza boxes. Zero marksman, sharpshooter or above. Or above. Our entire platoon. We were on a platoon. It was fantastic. Not our platoon. <laughs> so they had at least one marksman. <laughs> so. I want a pizza box. And so it, it, it was pretty pretty crazy. But um, so and then and to, to add even more, if you were listening, if you were listening to my brother, yeah, I did the same thing. I was in the reserves and I went and recruiter's duty and yeah. helped out and. Similar story. Yeah. Met some kid who wanted to join, mentored him. And they yep. succeeded. And he wanted to learn awesome. everything. So I taught him everything. See, a lot of people think mentoring some... Well, I'm not trying to jab anyone. But I want people to understand this. If somebody comes to you and they're wholeheartedly seeking your help and you want to mentor them, mm -hmm. mentor them... It, it, it isn't just hanging out or talking. I mean, it literally means mentoring them, asking them how they're doing, checking them periodically, and teaching them everything they want to know about the subject they're asking you on. There's, you know, whether you think so or not, and I'm, you, whoever's listening, 
you have an expertise that people might, you know, seek out. You, you don't know until somebody does. Hey, I want to try that. Anyhow, so this kid says, yeah, I want to join the Marine Corps. And my first inclination is, yeah, okay. <laughs> and my, my first and foremost test, you be at my house at this time. At this time. Yeah. And he showed up. So I said, I will teach you everything, but I want you to learn by the numbers. You'll learn everything. And he's the same thing. Except for his is a little different because he was the he was the honor man. Yeah. I'll tell him about a week before graduation. Uh, and I didn't learn this till after we got we got I went down to his graduation. But he uh didn't like the way a recruit was being treated by a drill instructor. Ooh. And I thought, okay, this is the wrong time to decide, hey. I'm going to be a justice warrior. Bite the bullet, handling, because this is just recruit training. The Marine Corps is a bigger picture, whatever. Anyhow, so long story short, he went in and turned in his, uh, his, his, uh, his, uh, his, his, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Brizard? The Brizard. Yeah, the Brizard. Brizard. He went in and turned in the guy. He's like, I, I don't want to do this. If the Marine Corps is going to be like this, I don't want to be that way. They're like, they lost their minds. <laughs> he, he got fired on the spot, obviously. He graduated first squad leader. But I was like, damn. But afterwards, when we talked, he had conviction and he stood his ground. Hey, that's the only thing I can do. But for me, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He yeah. became a Marine. I don't care if it was for 48 hours, 24 years. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And that, that's impressive as it is, period. When somebody says, I'm going to do this, and they take every step and measure to do it. That's yeah. that's mentoring. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. helps him get there. And, and people, again, uh, if you're listening, and someone seeks that something from you hey find out their their true intentions for that matter you know how far they're willing to go to get this done you'll be surprised uh, then you'll know which ones they don't because they'll be like okay be here at this time late or don't show not worth the time because exactly. they're not respecting themselves much less your time uh, but to go back to answer your question yes yeah. I am a uh, desert storm veteran I'm old as dirt well, that was not so, the implication I was trying to get out of it. But every time, I, uh, why, why do you reach over and dust my shoulder, though, bro? <laughs> I got to shine you back up. Because we thought puddles, that was right? baby powder, but we didn't realize it was just dust. <laughs> so, uh, and it's coming up on the anniversary, by the way. So August 8th is a date for me, which is, uh, well, I, I take that back, not August 8th. August 8th is a different date. I'll tell that in a minute. But uh, August 2nd. It already happened. Yep. Which is today, right? Yep. Today is August second. Third. Uh, oh, okay. So I, I'm down today. Um, so August second. Yeah, is when Saddam Hussein decided to cross the border into Kuwait. Oh, by the way, that's my oil. Go figure. So I'm at Camp Pendleton. Um, with first SF, first FSSG uh, Ordnance Maintenance Company, new weapons repair and whatnot. I thought I was having a good time. And again, storied lives. Because I was there as an armorer, uh, repairing weapons, but I didn't like sitting around. This is, again, why we get to do a lot of shit, because, you know, Dingo and I are on fucking, you know, 55, stuck on 55 miles an hour. Yeah. That's the cruising <laughs> speed. And then we ramp it up to, like, 96. So, working in the shop, I was always asking for something to do. I'd finish work early or whatever. Staff Sergeant Shagley was a great mentor. Uh, I was going to become a 2112, a match armorer. So excited about doing that. Um... Whenever, and it was funny because whenever they'd come, the, the infantry units would come and say, Hey, we need a unit armor to come to the field. Well, my hand, oh, yeah. I always wanted to go because it's like camping 
with guns <laughs> and shooting all yeah. kinds of shit. Yeah. So I would go to the field and I would sit there and they go, well, you're an armor, but we need you on the line. We need you to do this. You know what? You're senior lance corporal. You get this fire team now. You know what I mean? So I started to learn infantry stuff. And I thought it was fun as shit. Because again, I didn't have to be out there 24-7 like these guys. Yeah. But I got to learn it, which is, you know, we're all riflemen. So what the hell? Um, and then they would ask for me by name. They send send uh, Corporal Dominguez out. Anyhow. Uh so he invaded on the second, and we literally saw it on the news. And the following day, they came in. They said, "Yeah, we we have marching orders, already." Instantly, that that word was coming down. And they said they don't know who's going yet. They don't know what, you know. Uh, I I know that it was uh, Second Marine Division. They already said they're going. No ifs, ands, or buts. And said First Marine Division will, will make up some compliment, whatever. And so um, they came out with a list on the 4th, and I remember them standing in the, uh, uh, in the company, and they started calling out names. Now, it's the interesting thing, I think, about any service member, I think. So they're calling out everyone, all these names. These are the people that are going. You are going to war. Yeah. We're done the conclusion here. You will go down to supply. They're going to give you some paperwork. And from there, you'll start your tour of going to wherever you need to go, medical, all that weird stuff. And so they get to read the names, and my name is not called. So initially, my heart's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Then you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I'm like, that's great. And so... uh, I'm thinking to myself, that's kind of cool. And then you're looking at the people that are going. They're already talking and, you know, okay. And it, it turns into this, um, like, serious business. You know, hey, where shit things get done. And they feel, well, I mean, I'm guessing that they feel, you know, this sense of, okay, it's it's on. It's finally on. Let's do this thing. And I started to feel like, oh, shit. I'm, I'm getting left behind. Yeah. I said, yeah, fucking shit. So I go back in. I say, Staff Sergeant Shagley. Is there any way I can get on the list? He goes, no, you know, they're going to take the main body or whatever. You might get on the second rotation or whatever. Uh, Not knowing that the war would end 100 hours after it starts. Yeah. Uh, So that afternoon, one of the Marines comes back from medical, and he's got a note that says he's on med hold because he can make his knees pop. (laughs) Like cracking your knuckles, if anything. So he can make his knees pop, apparently, and so they put him on medical hold. So he's not going now. So I spoke to Staff Sergeant Shagley because he came in and he was in our section. So I knew. Yeah. So I, the moment he went up and I heard all that, I went up and Staff Sergeant Shagley, can I take his place? Said, Are you sure? Yep. That was that. <laughs> so I volunteered to go and I didn't even get picked. So. Damn. Yeah. I was uh, married at the time and I didn't uh-huh. even tell her. Yeah. So I went home and said, um, Oh, I'm telling her now, dude. I I went home and I said, Oh, hey, uh, by the way, I got picked to go. (laughs) I believe I've told her since then. But um, Yeah, I was married at the time. And so I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And so, yeah. 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 And then not only, I I believe my first child was on the way. Yeah. And so, yeah, as a matter of fact, she was well on the way because she was born that December. And so, anyhow, 
So it was fast and furious. So August 2nd, they invaded. I landed at Dahran Airport in Saudi Arabia on the 10th. Wow. With BSSG 7. Yeah. Yeah, Giant Service Support Group 7. And I remember getting there and we landed this plane. First, we flew uh, from March Air Force Base and KC 130s and they took us overseas. And I, I think it was Holland we, land, we landed. And they get us out and they put us on some fly by night fucking airline, you know, Tiger Airlines or some bullshit, janky seats. Uh, we get in there and we're sitting on the tarmac for a good four or five hours almost, I think. And so, you know, you're trying to sleep and whatever. So we fly into the Haran Airport. <clears throat> we land, you can see the city and you see all the other airlines. And then our plane gets like diverted off to like Nowhereville. You're literally on the plane for another 20 minutes of driving like on this empty tarmac military side and they get us off the planes and I'll remember this though uh, a vivid memory is when we stopped they said all right when we get off you're gonna get off and you're gonna go straight into the big tent can't miss it it looked like a big circus tent yeah and so the doors opened in the back and in the front of the aircraft and I swear to you it was almost as if a, a heat H-E-A-T, a heat hand came in and just scooped all the cool air out. Instant, you were sweating profusely. <gasps> yeah, because when we got there, you know, it's August. Yeah. So it's summertime. Yeah. Dog, I think when we landed, which was late afternoon, uh, it was still in the hundreds, hundred plus. <laughs> and so people were just dying instantly. So we get off the plane and we get ushered into this tent. And the tent uh, has these open flaps on top, I remember, to dissipate the heat, but there was no AC in it, so all these bodies are laying around, sitting there on the packs, and there's this big pile. It looked like they tried to stack the water up, but it collapsed, so there's a big pile of water bottles, uh, those those Haji, <laughs> two, really Haji, one, uh, one, mil, uh, one yeah. liter, yeah. one liter bottles. So, um, I can say Haji, right? Is that, is that Anyways, so you just start drinking, and I remember, besides the heat being taken out of that space in the aircraft, that I think I immediately drank two of those and I still didn't need to take a piss. And I was just sucking water. And then some double-decker bus pulls up, two of them, and they said, all right, gear on top, troops on the bottom. And we just loaded up, and next thing I was on this road, this long-ass road in the middle of the fucking night, it seemed like, I think we were on the road for almost seven hours, all night, and then, uh, we get to this, uh, the seaport of Al Jabal, seaport, and uh, they take us to this big hangar and they say, okay, here's, there was cots already laid out, back to back, open space in between. Oh, dude, it was literally nut to butt. It was so bad. <laughs> it was horrible. And it was literally, uh, okay, let's send troops. Okay, how are we going to feed them, bathe them, clothe them, and all this stuff? I, we'll figure that when we get there. That's what it seemed like. We got there, it was like, where are we showering at? You know, it was just so weird for a while. And then it started to, the, um, the uh, what do you call it? The uh, pre-positioning pre ships. Oh, um, the MPSs. The MPS. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, PFC Anderson showed up. Yeah. And they just started coming in. Who could drive? Great. Get in that fucking lane. You know, we're my logistic people. Get over here. And so we went on there literally, and they just grabbed people, and they just started checking off stuff. Get in that Hummer. Start it up. Take it off. And I didn't know this. I didn't know what an MPS ship was. Yep. So apparently off of Diego Garcia, which was 
uh, years before, by the way, August 8th yeah. of 88, I had checked aboard the USS Enterprise. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so, the aircraft carrier. So, uh, while on the ship, though, I learned about Diego Garcia, because we went by there. Well, they store the ship there, and these ships are just big cargo ships ready and waiting for war. Yep. So, as we sit here and talk and enjoy our drinks and enjoy your summer and all that stuff, there is a ship waiting to go to war, because that's all that's on there. Uh, weapons, artillery pieces, generators, uh, you name it, everything's on there. Parts for aircraft, parts for weapons, artillery pieces, everything. And once a year, I think, or every other year, the ship will pull into, like, I think, uh, the Bay Area, Washington, Maine. They'll pull it in, and they literally offload all that stuff, check it. If it's up, uh, obsolete, it's gone, they they retrofit it or whatever where they put the new shit they load it back up and it goes back and sits and waits yep every year a couple years it's a trip anyhow so they had uh, BFC Anderson showed up we got all the shit off so we had weapons and tools and everything and then it then it, I guess it started to get real because it was just like a fucking horrible summer camp because yep. it was hot there was nothing to that's do that's funny because in 1988 I learned what an MPS ship was I went through a team embark officer course yeah. It's your, uh, Do you see the an, crazy correlation an, an, now? An embarkation yeah. course. Yeah. I was the only corporal in this class of staff. Well, the lowest ranking guys were these three army sergeants, which they were like, uh, you got to do long division. They left. <laughs> They're like, uh, we're done. Day two, we're done. <laughs> and then um, the class had like master sergeants, stuff like that, marine master sergeants, stuff like that. But they were all logistics guys. They're all old force. And I was a 2531, but I worked for I uh, worked for a um, an inspector instructor staff, and I was I was actually in a logistics billet. Okay. An 0411, which is uh, That's logistics. How I into it, huh? uh, yeah, uh, logistics clerk. So I went to this class and spent was yep. it uh, eight weeks? Eight weeks there learning learning how to. Very interesting because it comes to play when I went to go work for Spartan Race. It was kind of weird because I I've never used that. That I never used that skill until then, which was I learned how to load an infantry battalion, an infantry regiment, and an infantry division by ship, rail, or air. That's, That's what the embarkation course was all about. And when you do the ships, you have to put on this kind of cool because you play with the little pieces and everything like that. And if you even get it too close to the hole of the boat, they'll hit you. Bam, you impaled the boat. You know, you incurred this accident or whatever so they ding you for it and stuff like that but they don't ding you money or anything ding you with time because these, these boats need to be loaded at a certain time so if you take uh, was it a, was it an LKA an LKA is a is a ship that has four holds and uh, or yeah four holds and I think they're five levels deep and what it is is they've got cranes and the crane takes so for instance in order to load a tank to the bottom hold it's going to take you 15 minutes so in other words, for the crane to swing over to the pier, lock onto the hook up to the to the tank, hoist it, bring it back high enough to go over the ship, and then down into the hold, and then place into where it needs to be. It's about 15 minutes. So all that has to be time time so you know how much. So they'll give you they'll give you a specific unit so you learn all its TNE, the table of equipment. So all the equipment that's involved with that, everything. Now you have to figure out the time it's going to take to load one particular ship. They give you the ship, they give you the unit, and they give you the teeny. And you've got to put it all in. You've got to do all the timing and everything. Like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> so all I, all I got to say about that, honestly, is 
All you grunts out there that were calling them pogues, yeah, they work for Mayflower now, make it six figures moving companies. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, so pretty interesting stuff, though. But yeah, like I said, him and I, we, we went, it was crazy. I mean, uh, where were you in 88? Uh, when? What time frame? Just 88, just 88, major more part of it. Uh, wrestling for the Marine Corps team, and then I was on a carrier. In '88, I was uh, I was working for the reserves. I was an inspector instructor duty. Now wait for it. Now if you rewind this back and hear Dingo say that he was on I and I inspector instructor duty. Where were we at? Second Battalion, 23rd Marines, Encino, California. So later on in life, after the Gulf War, so we'll go back to that story. Yeah. So I went to the Gulf War. I spent my time there, and it sucked because I, like I said, August 10th, everyone started to come out in September, October, November. Yep. I was already there. Yep. So everybody, oh, I went to the Gulf War. How long were you there? Oh, I got there in December. Fuck me. <laughs> it's like, are you shitting me? He was there for nine hours. He was there for nine hours. I was there the whole fucking time. The whole fucking and then everybody time. went home, like, after the, after the war was over, February. Yeah. After, yeah February, March, everybody's going home. Guess when I got home? I'll never forget it. April 5th, Banker Man, <laughs> sucking it easy. I missed all the parades. I missed all the parties. We didn't even have, like, the Marine Band plays at Pendleton. Yeah. yeah. We showed up at night. It was like, you know, eight people. Crickets, crickets, yeah. crickets, crickets. Oh, yeah, it was really weird. You guys stayed I, in the you barracks. Yeah, I, I did. I, well, funny you should say that. I get there. I have no barracks. Oh, so shit. one of the guys I knew... Uh, lived uh, in Mar Margarita, so he goes. He calls me, or I call him, and I yeah. say, "Hey, can I stay in your place? Because I have no barracks room. I got no place to stay." I go to his place for two nights until they complete me in barracks before I transition out of the corps for the last time. But so the whole reason I bring this up because when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was in the reserves. Guess where I went? Second battalion. Second battalion. Twenty third Marines. Marines, Encino, California. HNS Company. I and I staff. <laughs> so when I get there, guess what they're thinking? Dingo, what are you doing back here? <laughs> oh, no, it's his brother. So well, this, I, I, well, I wasn't Dingo, actually. Oh, yeah, I wasn't Dingo yeah, until years James. later. He was yeah, James. I was just Sergeant Mingus. Sergeant Mingus, but yeah. But it, it was funny. funny. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we definitely cross-pollinated a lot of different things in our lifetime. Yeah. So we'll even backtrack a little further. So he goes to recruit training. Oh! <laughs> So wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. about the worst day ever. No, wait, wait, wait. So here, this will be the last story, and then we'll probably have to take a break because you could sit here, you could probably do a series just on this me and this idiot. But here, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're about to pee yourself. Yeah. So here's the deal. I love this story because this guy didn't involve him. This guy, this guy talks crap to me all the time. But then when he's doing it. And running his mouth, blah, 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 dingle, blah, 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 fat ass, blah, 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 blah. I always just go back and remember this. Go ahead. So, I'm in recruit training. I got my drill instructors. I got my platoon. 2089. Fox Company. Tail balls. So, we're eating chow. We come out, stand out front, doing our prac, reading our shit, knowledge, and they hear this. Dominguez! Now, you know, and all your Marines out there, you know your drill instructor's voice. Yeah. You know that shit is like a high, high pitched sound on a dog. You fucking know who your master is. <laughs> so you know who your drill instructor is. But I'm like, huh? I'm looking around, who the hell's. Hey, Jamaicas! Hey! And I'm like, oh my god. And this big corn fed motherfucker rolls up on me, says, hey! And he's looking at me like, 
he, he's like looking me over, like, look, look, what the fuck? And he's looking astonished. And he goes, what are you doing here, Dominguez? And I said, sir, sir I, I just had chow. I'm waiting for my opportunity. Come on, Manny. I follow him. <laughs> I follow him, and we go up this to the second the deck of the squad bay. This is the best. And he goes busting into their duty hut with me in tow, and he screams, Hey, Clemens, look what I found. And this uh, dark green Marines across the desk looks up. Holy sh... The fuck you doing back here, Dominguez? You get fired from the FMF. You get recycled. <laughs> Then it hits me. This fucking classic, bro. Then it hits me. They're his fucking drones. <laughs> Did you get recycled from the FMS? That's hilarious. And I'm standing there, sir. This record is shut up. It looks just like a boss. And I mean, there. So who are you, sir? This is, shut up. And they're asking me all these questions. And the next, you know. Been and thrust, and I'm like, oh, you got it, shit. <laughs> so I'm getting wrecked, and they're having a good time. <laughs> well, your brother, your brother lasts longer than you do. <laughs> your brother, your brother did better than you. I'm like, oh hell no. So yeah, obviously I am digging deep. I'm getting wrecked. So afterwards, they realize I've probably gone a little too long, and uh, they take me back down to the platoon. Now, Dobbs, who I described as a big corn fed, was the mirror opposite of Benford. 220 pounds. You know, he meant the, like he meant the positive because Benford's the dark green marine. <laughs> yeah. And Dobbs is the white big marine. White so guy. the positive and the negative yeah. of so, the photo. Yeah. And so, and, you know, they're 220 pounds, you know, 90% body no fat. They're just monsters. Yeah, Dobbs yeah. Is and they come savage. Up, and he's yelling at me as if it's my fault. You <laughs> do the fuck you, bro. No, no, no. And I'm, and so I'm standing there and everybody's looking at me like, what happened? I'm like, ah, oh, I'll take about, well, fuck my life, I'll tell you later. And so him and Dobbs are a few feet from the tune, yeah. laughing, laughing. <laughs> Point over, oh, I'll fucking take care of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he didn't, he didn't last? Oh, oh, he's a little pussy. Oh, I'll take care of him. I'm like, I gotta be fucking shitting <laughs> So, yeah, dude, it's, it happens to us wherever we go, something, something strange like oh, that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. worse. It was pretty bad. I got wrecked. Yeah. Like like poor McGonagall when I went to the armory, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Well that so. was fucking awesome, boys. Yeah. Uh, there's so much more to talk about. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But so we're gonna have to do the skin now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect. Well yeah. I can't think of any any greater point than the doctor right there, and we'll get you guys back on the show. Have at it. Awesome. Have at <laughs> it, brother. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Badass Adventure Podcast. If you liked what you listened to, please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're feeling a little squirrely, go ahead and write me a review and tell me how I'm doing. And until next time, get out there and get it.